So last week we finished the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and today we're going to start a new sermon series, teaching series during the summer for six weeks that is called, what is it called? Right. Um, and so it's going to be based on what we call the six gray ends of the church. We're going, to, we're going to follow all of them. We're not going to follow them in order for different circumstances, but you're going to hear from, uh, about it. Uh, and so the first one that we're going to address is going to be called, uh, it's called the, uh, the Preservation of the Truth. By the way, next week we have a, a guest speaker. I think his friends of Bill Wicks. If I'm not, it's, it's your friend, right? So he's going to be speaking to us, and right after that, um, he's going to be speaking about how to build bridges in the world, in neighborhoods, communities. So, uh, and right after that, July 9th, uh, we have a luncheon worship at Trinity Center when immediately the service, uh, the, when the service is over, following worship, you, uh, Gene will make, the, it says, make it real with uh, a practical workshop entitled Making Connections That Make Disciples. So be sure to uh, th- think about participating next Sunday with uh, this uh, guest speaker that we have. So this morning, I'd like to um, invite you to think about something that is, you know, we normally take it for granted. What is the truth? You know, Pilate asked that, that question too. What is truth? You know, and so people say, tell the truth. I want to hear what? Well, sometimes I'm not really sure we want to hear the truth. And Jesus was talking to some people uh, in John chapter 8, verse 31 uh, through 34. I'd like to read it with you if that is available. Please read with me. To the Jews who had believed in in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, True, I tell you, everyone who is in sin, no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, I was preparing like, ten, when I was 10 years old, uh, my family, uh, being, good, uh, being a good Catholic family, they prepared me to, uh, to do the first communion. So before you do first communion, if some of you have been Catholic in the past, or you know what Catholicism is, um, you know that you need to go to the priest and do what? So I have never done that before. And so I was terrified. And when I get to the priest, I was thinking and rehearsing in my mind, what is it that I'm going to tell this person? Because I don't know how to say that. You know, so 10 years old, and I need to say to the man that I never know, I, I never knew before, I didn't know, so I have to tell him, look, I have sinned. I wasn't sure what that was either. <laughs> I know now. <laughs> but when I sat down, he said, okay, tell me your sins. 
So I made him up. <laughs> I said some stuff that I knew that was truth. And some of them, I just came up with that. Now, I, I don't know if he noticed it, but I, I thought, I think, or I thought that he knew that I was lying somehow. <laughs> but he absolved me, which is really great. So he told me to do, you know, the, you know, some Hells Mary and some uh, Lord's prayers, uh, prayers. Padre Nuestros, we call it in Espanol. And so I did that. And uh, I felt well, but I don't know if good intentions is the same as truth. Because I believe I did have a good intention to, to comply with that. But I don't know, I'm not really sure that I was telling the whole truth. So here we have a group of people who's, are, who are talking with Jesus, and they say something that sounds really good, which is, we have never been what? Now tell me, is that truth? And what did they say that? Right. So I believe that every believer can... Be guided by the truth if you follow, if we follow at least three principles. Number one, truth is available to all. It's not that you have to discover truth, but truth is available for all. Now, there is a famous um, theologian by the name of Augustine. Uh, it's called one of the greatest theologians, and he wrote something on Christian doctrine and he said, nay, but let every good and true Christian understand that whatever truth may be found, it belongs to his master. Whatever truth may be found, it belongs to his, to his master. In other words, you know, truth is available if you want it. Now, if you want to find something else, if you want to deny that you have been a slave, like these people said, then you know they, they were a slave uh, like 430 years in Egypt. They were slaves in Babylon. They were slaves under so many empires. And they currently, the conversation that he were, they were having with Jesus, they were somehow Romans property. But they say, no, we haven't. We haven't been a slave. So, but if you really want to find truth, you'll find it. I will say that God is not afraid of truth because he owns it. So Christians should not be afraid of it either. I'd like to encourage you to, to see the world as a place where you can find truth. I know this is a very messy place. I know we have a lot of bad things going on everywhere. Even in paradise, which is America, right? Right? No? Come on. There's no? Oh, I thought it was. Anywhere. It's a lot of bad things happening. But you also, in the midst of all these bad 
things that are going on in places that are going horrible, you can find truth. It's available. The second principle is that truth is not only a statement or a proposition, it's a, pers- it's a person. You know, when they were talking with Jesus, Jesus said, you know, if you get to know the truth, which is available to all, you will be free. Now, they didn't hear the word free. They heard, they heard something else. They heard you are a slave. You know, when you're confronted with the truth, you can't hear the good news of the truth because you're hearing the bad news of the lies. So they're hearing you're slaves. They're not hearing you could be free. So Jesus is telling them, you know, by the way, it's not just a nice philosophical declaration or psychological statement. It is a person, and that person, by the way, is talking to you right now. John 14, 6, Jesus also says, I am the way and the, and the life. No, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father my father's as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is really telling them, look, you know, you are struggling to find truth. And truth is looking at you right now. But in order for you to recognize, for, I, for us to recognize that Jesus or truth is a person, it's not just a statement, it's not just a proposition, because, you know, in our Western world, we are really pretty much inclined to think to the thinking, to the, to the intellectual part of truth. But Jesus is not really concerned only with the intellectual part of truth. He wants people to know that truth is alive. And it's a person. And by the way, if truth is alive and it's a person that we call Jesus, truth is transformational too. Whenever you find truth, that truth is going to change you. People who are following the truth are constantly challenged by its liberating effects. You know, there is a story when Jesus... Um, is invited to dinner. So you, he was often invited to dinner, to lunch, to breakfast. You know, he didn't have to pay. That's really cool. But he was invited to dinner by a man who was known as a sinner, a traitor, somebody who that nobody wants to associate with. Now, it's very interesting that his name means clean, pure. And Jesus was having dinner with this man. Meanwhile, some people were, were criticizing Jesus because he was associating with this guy. His name is Zacchaeus. So everybody wanted to call Zacchaeus a sinner. Because he was working for the Romans and he was not really behaving well. He was not behaving well at all. But isn't it interesting that while they were having dinner, I don't know what they were talking about because the Bible doesn't say it. But suddenly this man, Zacchaeus, stood up 
and say something that is amazingly transformational. He said, Lord, I want to change my life. But how? Why? Did Jesus talk to him about being a good, a good tax collector? Did Jesus talk to him about the way he was cheating people? Did Jesus talk to him about uh, how to be a better citizen? I don't know. But Jesus was living with him and talking with him and eating with him. And in the midst of that, he stood up and he said, I want to confess my sins. I don't want to make it up like Alfredo did. I wanted to confess that I have been cheating people. He said that, Zacchaeus. And I'm going to pay back four times over. I'm going to change my life. Isn't it cool that that happened over the, having dinner, you know, over dinner? I'm really taken by when he says, and I want to give this money to the poor. Why? Maybe Jesus never talked to him about his sins. Maybe Jesus talked to, to him about how the poor were abused, used, and mistreated, and how he came, maybe, to rescue those who were abused, used, and mistreated. Maybe, because the very first thing he says is, I am going to do something for the poor. Now he was cheating and stealing money, money from people, and now he wants to give it away and give it to people in need. Now a transformation happens, but only because he found the living truth. Now when you come close, when we come close to the truth, you don't need somebody to tell you what to do because your heart will know that something is wrong and needed to be fixed. Now, what I really like from this story is when Jesus, after he confessed his sins, Jesus said to him, look, it's Luke chapter 19, verse 9. He said, salvation has come to this house because this man, he didn't say this sinner, he didn't say this guy, he said this man is a son of Abraham. I, I am fascinated with this story because, you know, people is calling Zacchaeus a sinner, a bad guy, somebody that I don't want to be with. But when Jesus is calling this man, he's calling him a son of Abraham. He doesn't see him only as a sinner. He doesn't see him only as somebody who is in trouble. He sees him as somebody who has potential. Because the truth sees potentials in pe potential in people. So Jesus say, said to him, you know, you're confessing something that is true, but I'm going to tell you something else that you have forgotten. You are the son, one of the sons of Abraham. You know, I, I, I'm pretty much sure that you don't like to be called a sinner, do you? But you're a sinner, are you? Me too. But we don't call one another sinners. We call, some, we call one another something else. <laughs> right? 
But this guy, the only name he had was sinner, a bad guy. Changes it and says, he is the son, one of the sons of Abraham. Salvation had come to him. So I guess if we can see people through Jesus Christ, through the truth, we will see not only sinners and bad people. We'll see people with potential, people who can be changed, people who can be healed, people who can be transformed. Because truth is transformational. Now, if the truth that we carry, the truth that we promote, doesn't change our view of people, then truth is not in us. It's not working. Is it working? If I still can think about somebody that I hate. Oh, I hate that person. Watch out. Truth should change hatred. Isn't it true that it's easy for us to justify our views, the way we see people, the way we talk about people, the way we, we perceive people, and we say, you know, this person is such and such. How do you know that? But Jesus knew that that guy was a sinner, a bad guy. He knew that. He didn't call him like that. He called him his son of Abraham. Because truth goes beyond what is in front of it. It goes to the heart. And Jesus is bringing a new perspective to all of us. You know, you don't need to be accused when you are in front of the truth. You're going to be healed when you are in front of the truth. So Jesus is no, he didn't come to accuse people. He didn't come to judge people. He came to give them an opportunity to be, to be different. To be transformed. Don't I love the way he's, he ended? He says, for the son, look at this. It's an interesting uh, wording here. He says, he's also son of Abraham. And then he said, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So truth is searching, looking. It's after people. In order to bless them, to transform them, to bring a new, a new beginning to them. It's like this community, when you look around and, and you can see that some staff are not really well, instead of just looking at that, think about how God wants to transform this community. Think about how Jesus Christ wants to walk in this community and bring new life to this community. I know it sounds very nice. You know, it sounds really idealistic. I, I get that. But I tell you, there's no other way around. Either truth changes you or just entertains you. So that's for me, that's for you, that's for all of us. So Jesus is asking us this morning, think about truth not as just an statement or an idea, or something that you have to say in order to look good, to comply, but something that it is really changing you, changing you from the inside out. 
We only can really work for the preservation of the truth when the truth is preserving us, is changing us, is guiding us, is illuminating us, is really looking down to us and showing us the way. Here are two, two questions for, for, for both of us, for all of us. How is God calling you and me to embrace and promote truth? Second question is, what is God calling you to, do, to bring before his presence so you and I can find healing? You know, sometimes we have been dealing with a particular area in our lives that we don't know how to deal with that. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to bring healing to it. So what we do, what do we do? We just keep, keep it away, keep it away from us, keep it, hide it. We don't deal with that. But what Jesus is doing is the other way around. He's asking us to bring it to the truth, to allow truth to heal it, to change it, to enable you and I you, to, to move forward instead, instead of be, being stuck with that particular area in our lives. So what is God calling you to bring before him, his presence, so you and your circumstances can be transformed? This is a personal matter. But let's pray this morning and let's open our hearts and see what is it that God wants to illuminate and change in our, in our hearts? Maybe there is something that we need to uh, um, deal with. So let's pray. And then after we pray, I'll invite you to have dinner with Jesus. Okay? Let's pray. This morning we are talking and um, thinking about how truth is everywhere and how truth is a person called Jesus Christ who is inviting us to not to hide, but to come forward and to allow him to heal us, to transform us. And we pray, Lord, this morning that as we approach your table, we can bring ourselves, our needs, our fears, our struggles before your presence and allow you to heal us because you are truthful. And you have promised, if we come to you, you will set us free. We don't have to deny our struggles. We have to embrace them and understand that you're calling us, not because you want to shame us, but you want to heal us. So this morning, uh, we thank you for your presence, for your healing, for your love, for your invitation, for your transformation. And we love you, Father. And we pray in your name. Amen.
People wonder why we celebrate the Lord's Supper communion for, for almost, more than 2,000 years, maybe. And they don't understand why is the table of, of Christ is so important for our Christian faith. Um, but every time you come to this table, you are, you are basically saying, I recognize there is one person who died for me and who will come back. Paul says that every time we eat from this bread and drink from this cup, we, announce, we are announcing the death of Jesus. So I, rem- I remind you that this is not only the table, PPC table, or the Los Ranchos Presbytery table, or the PCUSA table. This is Christ's table, a table that has the power to bring Jesus to you. It's a simple table. There's a powerful table. So I invite each one of you to participate this morning with an open heart, an open mind, and to have dinner with Jesus. Having dinner with Jesus is kind of dangerous, you know? You could be changed. Um, So the night before Jesus Christ was crucified, he took bread and broke it. Give thanks and give it to his disciple and say, this is my body given for you. Right after dinner, supper, he also took the cup and said, this is my blood given for you for the remission of your sins. So every time, like Paul says, we drink from this cup and eat from this bread, we we are announcing Christ's death that has brought us salvation, transformation, redemption, a new beginning, as well as when we drink with this cup, from this cup. Lord, thank you for your gifts, for your people, for the people of God. I pray that today when your people eat from this bread and drink from this cup, they not only can feel your presence and your truth, but also they can experience your presence and your truth before each one of us. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.